To the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. About to take the green flag on this episode that is jammed packed. It's to the brims. Probably the most jam packed episode we've had in a really long time. Why? Because NASCAR is in the midst of a one and a half week stretch with four cup races. So on this episode, we're going to take a quick look back as fast as we can on Kentucky. And then the all-star race, a midweek race at Bristol, totally switched it up this year, and it ended up going off really well. Just happened, so we got a lot of thoughts on that as well. But we'll we'll cruise through those, and then we got to look ahead because we've got two more races in the windshield, and first of which is what this episode is mostly going to be about. It's Texas. That's where we're headed next. And then next Wednesday, NASCAR is just heading a little bit north to Kansas, where they'll have a Wednesday night race there as well. So on this episode, we'll talk a little bit leaning, where we're leaning. Obviously, the odds way too far in advance to have the the total odds out for those. But we'll talk about some guys that we like and some track sets there as well. But take a quick look back because Kentucky was absurd. We did not choose the Moneyline winner. We had a couple guys in the mix there at the end. I was really cheering for Martin Truex. Uh, He was on my bet slip. But who could have ever thought Cole Custer was going to come out of the blue. I don't know what his odds were, but I'm pretty sure they were close to like 80 to 1. So if you had Cole Custer on your bet slip to win that race, I need to know about it because you need to come on here and and tell me what your secret is. Wild finish, as we we just heard on the intro there. Rookie has never won at that racetrack. Just incredible. So props to Cole Custer, but just because we missed on the money line didn't mean that, you know, we didn't do well. Uh, we, we had some good head-to-head matchups. We had two top 10 picks, and the, the car number was odd. 41 car was an odd number, so it's some prop bets in there that really helped us, um, you know, clean up a little bit more. Just because we missed the line, money line doesn't mean we don't still hit some winners. That's why we have a bunch of things that we're betting on. So overall, I mean, I, I thought it was a pretty good race, but we're going to talk about the Jeff Gluck poll that he puts out there for is it a good race yes or no and only 48 percent of people said it was a good race that kind of shocked me i thought the ending they had four wide on the restart very uh entertaining for a mile and a half racetrack in my opinion so a little surprised by the outcome of that poll but it is what it is then we move forward to the all-star race and the all-star open at bristol a lot of hype around this for a couple different reasons they had the underglow ooh, on the cars, and I honestly think that that was a little bit of a letdown. It was only coming out the back part of the car. It was not, you know, like you think Fast and the Furious when you think of underglow. It wasn't coming out of all the places, so a little bit of a letdown there. I think I saw Twitter agreed with me on that one. Dale Jr. certainly did. Then they had the, the choose lane where, you know, you get to choose. Do you want to be on the top groove or bottom groove? And I'm liking that rule in place but i didn't think it really impacted the race as much as a lot of people might have thought because it wasn't long enough 
um, the, the, the one groove didn't have enough wear to come in on it. So that really didn't turn out to be as big of a factor in the all-star race, but I still think it was a good call to, to test that out a little bit. And hopefully we see more of that in the future. So the all-star race, I was a little pissed off because the all-star open, I bet I threw us some picks out there. We didn't give out picks on the podcast last week. We called them out on at full tank Phil on Instagram and talked about Almarola and Matt DiBenedetto to win the Open. Well, I didn't realize that when you were betting on somebody to win the Open, if they win the stage, they're just going to drop out of the race. So that makes it even harder to, to think of somebody because you got to take someone who's good enough, but not good enough to win stage one or two. Luckily, hit big with Matty D, plus 600. He won the, the Open, and we cashed in on that one. The All-Star Race Chase you know, shot out of a rocket there. We called out Kyle Bush as one of the guys we liked. He was plus 600 as well, I believe. And um, he was he was chasing him down at the end. If Kyle got a better jump on the restart, I think it would have been closer in that final segment. But Chase is your winner. We didn't have him. And, and we threw together a crazy parlay. We went four and two on that parlay. And uh, obviously can't cash in, but still, you know, happy we picked four winners out of six. So not bad. Entertaining night overall. As a, as a gambler, it was you know, okay. And as a race fan, it's leaving the all-star race pretty good. So I hope they keep it at Bristol or, or move it around a little bit. Just seems like the perfect racetrack for that type of race. So overall, we are heading into Texas with some good confidence, feeling pretty good, feeling pretty loose because we got, you know, big race at Texas and then the midweek race at Kansas and then a, a week off. NASCAR is taking a week off. So uh, they'll collect themselves there after this huge run of races. We're not even talking about Cup and Xfinity. I mean, these guys are just running ragged. Some sports like baseball haven't even had anything to bet on since October of last year, and we've got a ton of stuff going on right now in NASCAR. So let's now take a look ahead to Texas because we're going to talk money line. We're going to do everything we usually do, money line picks to win, prop bets, top tens, head-to-heads, all that stuff. And we can't do that, of course, without talking about the Sean Boy track stats. I mean, let's face it. It's the midsummer, all right? You don't feel like working. You're probably working from home. You want to avoid being at your computer anyway. Turn to Sean Boy to help you out. If you got TPS reports, you got Excel spreadsheets, numbers that need to do, you probably don't even have to do them. Just call Sean Boy. He's going to give you the consultation of a lifetime. He's going to get you through those tough times. Make sure you give him a call. Make sure you use that promo code HAMMER for half off your first consultation. That's HAMMER when you give Sean Boy a call. Sean Boy, he's our boy. 38 races at Texas lifetime for this series. And looking at the stats here, four times the winner has started on the pole. And the last time it happened, well, we don't have to look too far for that. It's Kevin Harvick in 2019, last year, that happened. The winner has started in the top five. 22 times. That's good enough for 58% of the time the winner is starting up there. And starting in the top 10, it's happened 30 times. So just under 80% of the time at Texas, the winner is starting in the top 10. I think these stats play even more of a factor because of the random draw situation, because you have the best drivers in the standings starting in the top 10 and the top 12 uh, because of this random draw and, and no qualifying deal. So that is only going to grow, in my opinion. And starting outside of the top 20, it's happened five times. Last time it happened was Jimmy Johnson in 2017. 
but the last five races, the winner has started inside the top 10. When we talk about manufacturers dominating a little bit, Chevy had their day here, but we've had a bit of a pattern with Toyota and Ford kind of rotating. And if that pattern were continuing this weekend, Toyota would be up. So it's their turn technically, according to the pattern, but I'd like to always just try to point those things out. Now, this is uh, an intermediate track. Somebody actually bothered me on Instagram to tell me that it's not a mile and a half because last week I said we got three cookie cutter mile and a half in a row. You're right. All right. It's it's 1.44 miles long. My bad. I consider, you know, that those types of tracks all the same. And, uh, you know, I, I still am going to loop them into the this category there when we're breaking down the, the whole season list of those types of racetracks. I consider Texas to be one of them. And it may not be the most fancy or the most entertaining type of racetrack overall. I mean, we look at that Jeff Gluck poll again. Texas isn't really too far up on that list in the last you know few years or so. I think the, the best Texas race since 2017 or 2016 got like a like a 70 percent rating that's the highest um which you know is pretty dark pretty far down on that list so if it's a boring race that's all the more reason to bet on it now let's talk strategy for how we want to approach this because the odds just came out and you know it's definitely an interesting take because we have kind of like we had in indianapolis the, the guys who are in that top eight group they're, you know, really further up and then it, it kind of drops off. But the favorite is going off at plus 300. Now, that is a number that is very dangerous. I mean, that's probably more than I like to, to give up when I'm betting. But the strategy that I'm liking this week for Texas is kind of a, a three driver play. So you want to if you're going to take the favorite, then I'm like taking someone kind of in that middle range and then more of a longer shot but still with a chance to win. So I'm not taking any like Cole Custers like last week, anybody completely outside. So the spectrum that we're talking about here is plus 300 up to plus 1100, plus 1200. All right, that's the spectrum. So somebody on both sides of that spectrum and somebody kind of in the middle. So let's break it down because I've got three drivers that hit those marks. And I know that in the past, I've said that plus 300 is just not something that I want to bet on. But when we're talking about Texas and you actually look at the statistics, Kevin Harvick is the man. And, you know, yes, I will actually give up more money of my allotted amount that I spend on a race weekend picking winners to put on Harvick this weekend and get more bang for my buck for that plus 300. Three to one to win the race at Texas. His numbers are insane. In the last 10 races, he has three wins, seven top fives, and 10 top 10s. That's right. 100% of the time in the last 10 races, he's finished in the top 10. That's wild, wild stuff. Laps led, he's in first in that time span. 606 laps led. And the second place driver in that category, 393. So over 200 more laps led in the past 10 races here. His average finish all time. Now, this is, this is what I love about, you know, diving into the details and, and finding drivers like this. His average finish all time is 10.4, which is damn good at any racetrack, no matter where you go. But in his last 10 races here, 3.8 is his average finish. It skyrockets. It jumps up. We look at people like this every week. We look at those types of stats. I mean, that's telling you lifetime, he's damn good here. But recently, last five years, because they come here twice a year, so the last five years, Kevin Harvick just has it 
on fire. That's obviously good enough for first out of all active drivers. His driver rating for his career is fourth overall. It's a 97.2, but I think that's because earlier on in his career, it probably wasn't as good as he is right now. He's just on fire. Obviously, he won last year at this racetrack. Three wins in his last five races. So if you want to take it you know, down a notch from top 10 to top five, it's even better. So that's when the Ford switchover at Stuart Haas happened the, the five races ago, and, and he's got three wins since that happened. So the value is horrible, but the stats are on fire. It almost feels like you, you need to bet this one. Kevin Harvick, if, if he goes out, if you're trying to fade the, the favorite, which we have done in the past on this podcast, you're going to do that this time, and then you're going to see that four car up front in stage three and be like, God damn, I, I, I just wish I threw up some extra money to get – get some better value. So mark me down as my favorite plus 300 Kevin Harvick in the four car for the win. Now I want to talk about the guy more so in the middle. All right. The middle of, of what I like to bet right now going off at plus 900. It's Martin Truex Jr. We took him last week and I'm going to talk about last week actually in a second, but looking at his stats at Texas last 10 races, no wins, two top fives and eight top 10s. His driver rating is good enough for fifth, 93.9. He, he improves his average finish from all time, which is 13.5, to his last 10, which is 10.0. So again, just like Harvick, you've got a guy who has been here for a while in his career. And if you look at just his career numbers, solid numbers, but in a, a smaller subset of the races, these last 10, it gets even better. So he's, he's gaining momentum here, and in the last 10 races, his average finish is good enough for fifth out of all active drivers. He's third in laps led in the last 10 races. So these are all numbers. If I'm throwing these at you without telling you who it is, you're saying, wow, that's pretty good. And if I'm not telling you what the odds are for that guy to win the race, you're probably saying, man, where can I put the money down on this guy? Who is this guy? Who is this masked man? Well, plus 900 is a good value for someone like Truex, that caliber, with these numbers at a racetrack. One thing I want to call out is the crew chief change. I mean, obviously, Cole Pern no longer with that team, unabruptly retired at the end of last season. Very strange move. Truex has been trying to get used to his new crew chief. They had the win at Martinsville, but never really parlayed that into you know a lot of momentum. Well, last week, I really felt like Martin Truex was the guy that was going to clinch that at the end there, especially to, to start that last restart, finished second. I venture to say that, you know, the, the growing pains are kind of done now with that 19 camp. I, I think crew chief and driver and, and everybody else are kind of gelling together. You can kind of see that. And I think it's worth saying, like, he, he's someone that is now going to be a force for the remaining of the season. So, Keep your eyes peeled on that 19 car. He has the record for most starts at this racetrack without a win. I would say this weekend, he has a chance to you know change that. He has a chance to snap out of that and, and put someone else in that hot seat. So keep your eyes peeled. Plus 900 on Martin Truex. Mark it down. So now let's talk about the last guy. That guy at the other end of the spectrum that I think has a real shot to win this weekend. Going off at plus 1100. It's Ryan Blaney, younger guy, not as much stats to pour through as the two other guys that we just mentioned. In the last 10 races here, no wins, two top fives, four top 10. So those numbers, and he, he had a pole, by the way, too, but those numbers, 
you know, they're not blowing you away. He's not in the top 10 for driver rating, not in the top 10 for average finish. If average finish in the last 10 races for Blaney is 19.6. All right, great. I don't care about that. That's actually perfect because that's more money out there for those of us who are paying attention to win. You know, the sports books want to discredit him, put it plus 1,100 as his value to win the race. That's perfect. You know, he doesn't have a good average finish lifetime. Great. Give it to me because in his last five races, four of which have been with Penske in that 12 car, in the last five, two top fives, four top tens. All right. So all of his success that he's had at Texas has come in the last five races, and especially since he switched over to Penske and the 12 team. His average finish in that time span, 11.6. So, And he had a 37th place finish in the first race at Texas last year that really hurts that average. But that skyrockets again. His last 10, 19.6. In the last five, 11.6. So big difference. He's hot right now. And I've been doing some, some data gathering on my own. I have my own spreadsheet that I've been working on and we're talking just the intermediate tracks the mile and a half tracks how are these guys doing this season in 2020 on these tracks because it's tough to find a website that's going to get you that type of data you want well in these six races that we've had in mile and a half tracks blaney is actually first in average finish with a 5.0 average finish that's awesome he had a very strong car last week he chased down Almarola, was leading a lot of laps at one point you know he looked like the guy to beat and kind of faded away. I mean, he was there at the end, but it just kind of faded away from him. So uh, Blaney at that value, I, I think it's less about career numbers with him and more about what you're seeing lately and then also in 2020. So mark it in the 12 car plus 1100 to win the race at Texas. I'm all over it. When I was thinking of Texas, before I even looked at the data, I was looking at Blaney and I loved the value. So Lock it in, mark it down. Buggity, buggity, buggity. Let's go racing, boys! Let's move over to our prop bet section now because we've been on fire with our prop bet picks because they start with the top 10 picks, and this is really where we've been absolutely smoking hot. And let's start with the guy that we just can't avoid at this point. He, he's performing too well for us to just ignore him on this part of this segment. It's Eric Almarola. I mean, six top tens in a row, five of which were top five finishes. We've talked about it in the last couple podcasts, and we're going to keep talking about this dude until he really screws us. So he's going off right now at minus 125 to finish in the top 10. Really good value when you consider how well he's doing. But here's one to, to just, you know, kind of chew on, maybe nibble on. Plus 500 to finish in the top three at Texas. Something to think about. You know, how could you not bet on him to finish in the top 10, though, after the performances that he's been putting in? He won the first segment easily at the All-Star Open. I mean, it wasn't even, it was like a, a man amongst children there. And he just said, you know what, I'm parking this thing. I'm getting out of here. So um, performing well, won the All-Star Open first segment, made it into the All-Star race, did well in there. I mean, it's all very good momentum for that 10 team. So at Texas, it's also some good news. So since he switched to the 10 car, that's what we're focusing on, all right? He's had four races in that time span. In his last three races, he has one top five and three top tens. He finished second here last fall. So 
he's he's on a, a top 10 streak in the current season, six in a row. And at Texas, he's got three top 10s in a row. So really good stuff. And second, the last time you were at this racetrack, I mean, there is not a negative type of vibe in this 10 camp at all right now coming into this racetrack. So good stuff. Minus 125. I mean, I know we're giving up some money there, but I think it's worth it. He, he's really coming into his own. Stuart Haas, I mean, think about it. They got the best driver in the game right now, Kevin Harvick, leading the standings, kicking everybody's ass. They've got this rookie who comes out of left field last week at Kentucky to snag a victory. I mean, Stuart Haas has to be on cloud nine right now, and this guy is just kind of waiting in the wings. He's going to snag a win at some point this season. You mark my words. But right now, we're just talking top ten. So, Eric Amarola, top 10 finish, lock it in. And maybe even think about that top three for plus 500. Who knows? Let's move on to another top 10 pick here. And this is somebody that, I mean, when I think historically Texas, I think of Jimmy Johnson. And all time, his numbers here are sick. All right, seven wins in his career, 16 top fives, 22 top 10 finishes. In his last 10 races, Three wins, five top fives, five top tens. So good stuff in his career. The problem is with Jimmy, in his last five races here, he only has one top five finish. So not nearly as good as he has been in the past. So the the positive thing there, though, if you want to try to spin it, last spring, the first race at Texas in 2019, he finished fifth. That was that top five that we speak of. So you know, trying to cling to something for this guy in the 48. He's he's retiring after this year. Second all-time in driver rating. I'm taking Jimmy Johnson to finish in the top 10 this weekend. He's going off at minus 125. So you're starting to see him come alive lately at Kentucky. He got spun out or drove into the two-car Brad Kozlowski. So a little bit of a controversy there. The, The fact of the matter was he was up front. He was in competing which we haven't seen that much out of him lately towards the end of a race. You you fire him up a little bit, you know, give him a little kick. Maybe that old horse has some some life left in him. So, you know, the the 48 car is one to watch this weekend, top 10. And and just a a quick side story. I mean, the reason I'm really betting on Jimmy, I needed to throw something on him, is because one time I was in Texas for work, and it was a Saturday night race, and I was – getting my coworkers like, I don't care where we go to, to hang out. We're watching this race. So I got some people who didn't give a shit about NASCAR to pay attention to it. And Johnson dominated that race. Like it was almost indefensible to say like, this is so boring. I'm so sorry. He's just that good. And for that is, I mean, it just sticks in my mind, like Jimmy Johnson, Texas, like he, he's the guy. So I have to throw something down on that 48 this weekend. Top 10 seems appropriate, seems realistic. So mark me down. The last guy that we're going to talk about finishing in the top 10, Eric Jones, plus 105 to finish in the top 10. He's been here seven times in his career, three top fives and five top 10. So five of the seven times he's finishing in the top 10, which is all we're betting on here. He's ripped off four straight top 10 finishes. So three of them in a row were fourth place finishes. Really, really good numbers there. Now, on mile and a half so far this year, he's not that great, but his value is there, plus 105. I mean, I I think that's worth it for someone who, you know, may not be performing that well this year. 
He's got the history at the racetrack. We've seen this a little bit over the past few weeks about Eric Jones, and you're just kind of waiting to see, you know, where he lands because there's something's got to give in that Gibbs camp. And if he doesn't really step it up, last year he had a big win to kind of secure his seat. I'd have to imagine that he's on a, a year by year, maybe even a week by week basis on whether or not he's going to be in that 20 car next year. So, you know, Eric Jones, now's your time. Snag a top 10 and make us some money and uh, keep yourself in that seat. So the top 10 picks we have, Al- Almirola, minus 125, Johnson, minus 125, and Eric Jones, plus 105. Those are all good, good picks. Now, to, to finish off the prop section, we got to talk about some true props, one of which we're going to keep talking about, especially when we're saying these mile and a halfs. Stage wins. So uh, looking for a driver to win both stages and the race. This prop has been consistent across the board. Plus 600 to make that happen. And no, of course, it doesn't happen ever. Minus 1465. So yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever for you to bet on the no because that happens pretty much every race. But the plus 600 is worth throwing something down, especially on these mile and a half because that's where it's going to happen. The problem is stage racing has really played a factor in these. And you got the guys who are up front kind of cutting in and um, coming to pit road before the stage ends, giving up those stage points. But one of these times this year, it's going to happen. I mean, it's not like it's never happened. So why not this week? So I'm throwing a small amount of money down on the yes. And if it happens, great. Now, the over-under for the car number, 11.5 is the over-under this week. And, you know, I called out two guys who have a car number over 11.5 in Brian Blaney and Martin Truex. So I'm going to go with the over here. It's a slight underdog, minus 109. I think it's the underdog because of Harvick. But think about it. I mean, you only have 11 guys out there at about 40 that can beat you. So I'm taking the over, and we'll see where it goes. So those are the prop bets for Texas this weekend. We're going to be here all day. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. Now let's move over to the head-to-head section where we're going to take a look at two drivers and choose which one will finish in front of the other this week in Texas. And once again, this segment is sponsored by Penn East Vineyards. For a great tasting wine that will never break the bank, Penn East Vineyards has a wine for you. Kingfisher Red, that's my favorite. I'll tell you what, Kingfisher Red, it's just that perfect red blend, and it doesn't really even give you a hangover. It doesn't really have those those tannins that cause that hangover. They know what they're doing over there. Check it out at your local liquor store because it's probably going to sell out fast. Penn East Vineyards taste like home. So this week... Sports books are kind of messing with us a little bit because right after the All-Star race was over, I saw some head-to-head matchups that were available, and then they disappeared. And now there are some back on my book, and they're completely different sets of matchups. So I have no idea what's going on. I don't know if it's too early or what, but we've got four that we're going to focus on. So we're going to work our way up to really the the, the big-time matchup in the standings and in just overall general noticeability when it comes to their names. So let's work our way up the the chain here. And we're going to start with William Byron versus Matt DiBenedetto. So these are two guys who don't have a lot of experience at Texas, but, you know, they're coming off of a a Wednesday night at Bristol where they have something to hang their hat on. William Byron advanced to the all-star race 
from the open by winning stage two. And Matty D, as we pointed out earlier, went us some money. And he won the All-Star Open to, to make it into the race. They finished right behind each other in the actual All-Star race. So they're good matchup here to, to look at. Not a ton of data, like we said. Let's start with Matty D. Horrible numbers at Texas. He's been here nine times. His best finish is 14th. So not good. You know, when you're looking to choose someone uh, to, to finish ahead of another guy, that's not a, a good stat you want to see right off the bat, the fact that they suck at a racetrack. But let's think of some, some silver lining stuff here. I mean, despite the fact that his average finish at Texas is 28.1, it's dismal. His best finish, 14th, happened last year in the 95 car. And we know that before that, he was in the 32, which is, you know, not even close to the, the same caliber car that he's in right now. So what I'm seeing out of that is saying, okay, he's improved in the, the better equipment. The better his equipment gets, the, the better his finishes have been. So take that into consideration now that he's driving the 21 car for the Wood Brothers and with that Penske affiliation. Now, Let's take a look at William Byron. He's only been here four times. He has two top 10 finishes, and he finished sixth here last year. So, you know, not a lot to go off of. His average finish isn't great either, but the fact of the matter is he's got better numbers at Texas than Matty D does. So you're kind of leaning towards William Byron, right? I mean, guy sucks at Texas. This guy's okay. A little bit younger driver. He's in a you know the Hendrick car, the Hendrick Camp, the 24. But let's take a look at this year. Matt DiBenedetto has the 12-5 lead over Byron in head-to-head -head matchups in 2020. That is shocking to me, staggering actually, that those two are so far apart head-to-head -head this year. And at mile and a half this year, Matt has the advantage there as well, four to two. And his average finish at mile and a half this season. 12.6 compared to 17.8 for Byron. So, even though at Texas, Byron has had some better success, I'm going to go with Matt DiBenedetto here in this matchup. Lock it in, the 21 car over the 24. Next matchup, battle of the older guys. All right, we might need to get these guys some eyeglasses out there to see their way around the racetrack. We're talking Clint Boyer and Matt Kenseth. So, kind of a, a tale of two different tapes here. We're looking at Clint Boyer. He's got one top five and two top tens in his last 10 races. His average finish is 19.5. So again, not crazy good numbers out of Clint Boyer. Great year last year, though. All right. In 2019, his finishes were second and 11th. And both of those uh, finishes came from starting positions that were well outside the top 20. So that showed last year, 2019, in that 14 car, he was able to, to jump up and grab some good spots. I mean, a second place finish from like 25th, that's damn good. And he led 36 laps in the fall when he finished 11th. So there's some good things to point out there, despite the, the bad career numbers in the last 10 races as well. Matt Kenseth, let's take a look at him. Now, his last race at Texas was in 2017 because he did have that retirement there. He's kind of filling in this year, if you remember. You kind of forget that, right? Well, in his last five races, so comparing it the same time span as we did with Boyer, in his last five races here, uh, he has one top five and two top tens, just like Boyer does, but in half the time. And the last time he started here, he finished fourth, and that was in 2017. But as a career, he has the third best driver rating out of all active drivers. 
like 102.2. His average finish is 12.2. So his career stats are very, very good at Texas. Compared to Clint Boyer in the last five races, I mean, he's just better here. So Matt Kenseth leads 3-2 in those last five races. They've both been on the track. But the season series, it's 9-4 Clint. And I'm going to stick to that, just like I did a second ago with Matt Benedetto. I'm going to go with Clint in this matchup. He's slightly better on the mile and a half. They're both not good at all. But Kenseth has just been really bad on the mile and a half this season. So I'm going to go with Clint. I don't think these guys are going to be up fighting for a, a top five or maybe even a top ten. But I think this battle is going to be a good one. But I'm going to go with the 14 car over Kenseth, minus 115. So let's move up the ladder here, and we're going to go to Kurt Busch versus Alex Bowman. They're going off even, minus 115 as well. All of these matchups right now are even. I don't know if I mentioned that for the first one. But minus 115, and this is a battle of old versus young. But I'm considering this a total mismatch. Respect your elders is what we're saying in this one. So let's first take a look at Alex Bowman just for the hell of it here. Seven starts here. One top five, one top ten. That top five came last fall, 2019, last time we were here. He finished fifth, and he led 11 laps here. His average finish, though, 21.7. That's not blowing anybody away when you look at his stats at Texas. Small sample size, but still, you know, one top five finish, that's what you're hanging your hat on? I don't think so. Let's move over to Kurt Busch, because in his last ten races, he has eight top ten finishes at this racetrack. Three poles. His average finish is good enough for sixth out of everyone here at 10.1. Driver rating here, seventh out of everyone here, 90.3. Six straight top 10 finishes. He's one of the better drivers here. I don't know why the odds are equal, and they're both going off at like plus 2,500 to win the race or something like that. I I don't have that in front of me, but they're way out there. They are long, long shots to win the race. Head-to-head... I don't see how this is even a, a fair fight. For the season, Kurt has the advantage 10-7. to 7, And in their last seven trips to Texas, when they were both on the track, Kurt has a 6-1 to one lead over Alex Bowman. It doesn't even make sense. He's coming back from a, a rough all-star race, Kurt Busch is. So he's got the, the, the revenge on his mind, trying to get back on the right track, get back on the saddle. He's going to do it in this matchup. Give me Kurt Busch over Alex Bowman. So now, we're going to work our way all the way up. This is the the marquee matchup. This is the the main event on the card here. And this is Denny Hamlin versus Kyle Busch. So I avoided both of these guys to start the podcast. I'm avoiding both of them to, to win the race. Those picks, they're both going off to win the race plus 600. So, you know, going back to the Moneyline segment, Harvick was going off way ahead of them at plus 300. But when it comes to Kyle and Denny, Kyle, I've been saying for a while, I mean, I'm fading him to win the race in the next few races because he's just been burning us. I'm sick of it. And maybe that's when he'll go out and get the win. I don't care. I have to give up betting on him to win the race for a little bit. And Hamlin, I mean, he's been hot for a little while, but I think now he's going to start to cool off. But it doesn't mean we can't look at these two head-to-head because that's just a great matchup. So we'll start with Denny. In his last 10 races here, one win, two top fives, three top tens, 10th in driver rating. And his average finish in that time span, 19.1. He won this race last spring. 
and he's got 123 laps led. So what I found funny was if you look at his numbers, one win, two top fives, three top tens, and then 123 laps led. Very strange. I don't know if you're into numbers like that or any signs, creepy stuff like that, but those are Denny's numbers. Now if we look at Kyle Busch, nine starts, two wins, four top fives, six top tens. His average finish, 8.8. That's good enough for second out of everybody here. His driver rating is third, 102.1 is his driver rating. His last win came in 2018 in the spring and in the last 10 races has led 244 laps. So that's almost double what Denny has led in that time frame. So we know that the tail of the tape this season, right? Denny has four wins. He's on fire. Kyle is just not meeting expectations. But when you look at their current season head-to-head, Denny has a 9-8 advantage. That was kind of surprising when I saw that because you think about how different their seasons seem to be going, but yet it's only 9-8. to eight. And at Texas, just Texas alone, it's 7-2 to two Kyle. So my pick for this matchup is going to be Kyle Busch because I think I need something to bet on him for. And this matchup seems like a good one. They're going off at even odds right now. Two heavy hitters at JGR. If Kyle's going to start to, you know, really get the momentum back, he finished second in the all-star race like we talked about earlier. Maybe, you know, maybe he does go out and win, but I at least if he does get that win, that means we're winning this matchup. So I'm taking the 18 car in this one. I love it. Lock it in 18 over the 11. So just to recap the picks, we have that one that we just called out. Kurt Busch over Alex Bowman, Matt DiBenedetto over William Byron, and Clint Boyer over Matt Kenseth. Lock it in. So we're going to wrap up this episode talking about Kansas, trying to get through, you know, the episode as quick as I can, because there's just so much to talk about. And with Kansas, it's on Wednesday night, so we don't have any odds to look at, but we do have some statistics. We have the the Sean Boy track stats, which we'll get to in a second. But when you want to talk about the actual picks that we're going to put out there, you can find us on Instagram at Full Tank Phil. We'll put them on the stories on either Tuesday or Wednesday, and uh, we'll see what we can do when we get closer after the Texas results are in. We can see who has momentum and who doesn't. But let's take a look at some tracks that's sponsored by Sean Boy yet again. 28 races here. Six times the winner has started on the pole. Last time it happened, Kevin Harvick. It feels like every time someone's winning from the pole, it's Kevin Harvick. Winners starting inside the top five happened 13 times. And starting inside the top 10, 16 times. So, you know, pretty standard, I think. Um, Starting outside the top 20, it's only happened three times. Last time it happened was Denny Hamlin, the last time we were here. Now, if we're looking at like a manufacturer advantage. I would say it's a pretty solid split amongst all three of them. There's not really one that's the the dominant brand at this racetrack. When we look at the the Jeff Gluck poll, 90% of people said the race last time we were here was a good race. And that's a very, very high stat. You don't see that too often. So who knows? I mean, there are some real stinkers in there as well from, you know, in the past, but Denny's win last fall was definitely a big one, a fan favorite. So we'll see if they can back that up this coming Wednesday at Kansas 
to try to see if they can uh, do it again. But overall, I got some guys that I'm kind of leaning towards, and that's what we're going to discuss quickly here to, to finish off this episode. Just guys who I'm leaning on, and the first person that jumps out to me is Chase Elliott. All right. His numbers at Kansas are pretty good. One win, four top fives in eight races here lifetime. His driver rating is fourth. Solid average finish here as well. It's 11.5. That's good enough for third all-time and fifth in the last 10 races out of all active drivers here. So leaning towards Chase at Kansas. His all-star race win, that breathes some more life into that nine team. I mean, they just won a million dollars. So maybe they're going to have a little bit of a hangover from that million dollar win at Texas, but they could come back strong on Wednesday night. And he's won two races this year. Both of them have been in the middle of the week. He won the the Charlotte race on a Thursday night, an all-star race on a Wednesday. We've got another Wednesday night race coming up. So clearly that team does well under the lights midweek. So you know, all of those things. I don't know what his value will be. I would assume it's going to be right around that plus 600 mark, plus 700. I like the nine car right now at Kansas as somebody that I'm taking a a shot on. Somebody else that I'm leaning towards, Martin Truex. So, you know, I, I just rant and raved about him for the Texas race and also chose him, you know, a week before, but that's just because he's got good mile and a half numbers. And looking at him career wise, He's got high stats in the last 10 races here. Two wins, four top 10s, and six top 10 finishes at Kansas. Third in driver rating is 98.6. His last 10 races, his average finish is good enough for third out of everyone, 8.3. So really, really good numbers from Truex. It's one of those things where I I really think that that is a team that's going to come alive. And if it doesn't, you know, then I'll, I'll eat that. But... I think this is the time because he's a he's a mile and a half type of guy. I, I mentioned the spreadsheet we put together, and he's someone who is performing well so far this year on those mile and a half. So mark me down as a slight lean. We'll see if anything changes coming out of Texas because, I mean, they could go out and perform miserably at Texas, and that might change my view on this team coming in midweek. But uh, right now, the 19 team looks pretty good to me based on his odds, what I'd assume would be, you know, right around that plus 900 mark, just like he is this week. So those odds were getting my attention. Obviously, overall, Harvick is the guy here as well, but I'm trying to avoid taking him yet again. I mean, his average finishes are first all time and in the last 10 races. It doesn't matter. He's the guy and best driving ever best driver rating, excuse me, out of everybody. So trying to avoid that because his numbers are probably, especially if he goes out and wins, that value is going to be ridiculous. So um, trying to avoid that. But those are the two guys I'm liking to win. Now, calling out a lean on a top 10 for Kansas, Kurt Busch. He's someone that I've got my eyes on. I called him out in a head-to-head in Texas. Well, calling him out for a top 10 finish in Kansas because he's got three top fives and seven top tens in his last 10 races here and four top tens in his last five races. His mile and a half stats so far this year are seventh best and his average finishes, sorry, his average finish on those mile and a halfs this season, 10.8. So right at that threshold that we're talking about, that top 10 mark, I'm going to really be looking at him. Now, if he goes out and performs horribly at Texas, that might change some things a little bit. But right now, he's someone that I'm targeting for that prop bet to finish in the top 10, maybe even the top five. I, I don't know. 
you know, that's that's getting a little out of control for uh, a week in advance. But definitely have my eye on that one car at Kansas. Well, that's going to bring us to the checkered flag for another episode of Full Tank with Phil. Make sure you go out, place those bets as big as Texas, and we'll have winners as big as Texas. Then follow us on Instagram at Full Tank Phil for the Kansas picks midweek next week. It's jam-packed, lots of racing, we gotta love it, and NASCAR is off the week after, so we will be back, not next week, but a, a preview of the New Hampshire race in two weeks from now. Remember, drive fast, take chances, and we'll see you in a couple weeks. Place to go. Have no place to go.